I don't know about you guys, but, um, well, have, have you ever had an argument with, uh, with some friends? It got dark in here, didn't it? We might need some lights for, uh, for, there we go. Good. Uh, have you ever had a blow up argument with a best friend? Anybody ever had a, a blow up argument? Uh, is, you know, the kind of disagreement that has the potential to just totally ruin the relationship. I don't know if. I don't know if you've ever had an argument like that. You know, it can happen. Hey, Philip, man, you want to you preach at me, brother? <laughs> it can happen. Uh, you can have an argument with, uh, with a friend that you love and that loves Christ. And uh, it, it can happen. Well, that's what happens in our text today. Um, in, in this scripture in the book of Acts, Paul and Barnabas, these best friends who've been serving Christ and on mission for Christ together, are going to have a pretty tough discussion, an argument uh, about a change of plans. And they don't agree. That's the point of an argument, right? They're not in agreement. And so they, they actually end up s- splitting, parting, going two different directions. And it's, it's a pretty big deal. It's not that they're enemies. They're united about the mission, They're united about the message of the gospel, but they don't agree on how to accomplish it. Sometimes change is really difficult. Change is hard. Um, This week, I had some some buddies over the house, some guys, we were watching uh, ESPN, and um, one of the things that came up was a a feature on Tua Tagovailoa. I never say his name right, but... On, on the, the quarterback from Alabama that's now in the NFL. But in, in January of 2018, I don't know if you remember this, but Alabama faced off with Georgia in the national championship. And uh, Jalen Hurts was their star quarterback, had led the season all year long and uh, was doing great. Like he had led the team all the way to the national championship. But that first half of the football game, uh, he just really struggled. Uh, he wasn't able to complete passes. He wasn't. Uh, the running game was struggling. And when the teams dismissed for halftime, Coach Nick Saban made a, a call to change quarterbacks to their backup quarterback. This was a massive decision, but Tua Tangovailoa came into the game. And that personnel change would ultimately be the call that won them the game. The only reason I bring this story up is because um, the feature on the, on the news was talking about how difficult that decision must have been to, to go away from what you've known and what you've trusted and to, to make a decision to make a massive change uh, for the purpose of greater effectiveness. Sometimes change is hard and sometimes it's costly. Those decisions are difficult and sometimes that causes great conflict. But when change is needed to advance the mission, we must change, right? So in our story, in the text today, in this narrative, what I mainly want us to see is this willingness to make changes to do whatever it takes to advance the gospel mission. And may it be true of us. So just a quick recap before we stand and read the word of God. In chapter 15, the Jerusalem Council made a significant decision regarding uh, whether people had to be circumcised to be saved. Paul and Barnabas actually left their post as missionaries 
to come all the way back to Jerusalem to be a part of that discussion. It was such a big deal that they left the Gentiles that they were serving with. They came all the way back to Jerusalem to say, here's what God's been doing. Here's how God has uh, been saving Gentiles regardless of all the rabbinical traditions and re- without all of the, the laws of, of without all of that, that God has been saving Gentiles without regard for Jewish tradition like circumcision. So the council ultimately decided that salvation is by grace through faith in Christ. That was what we talked about last week. So once that decision is made, Paul and Barnabas travel back up to Antioch where where they've done a lot of ministry with some others and they spread that good news. They they take a, a letter and they read the letter and they spread the good news that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Now, Paul and Barnabas decide to spend a little time there and do some teaching, investing in that church again. And that's where we pick up our text in Acts 15. So will you stand with me? We're just going to read from verse 36 into chapter 16 into down to verse 5. So. Uh, Acts 15, verse 36. After some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra, and there was a disciple there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium, and Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So as they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we trust that this is your word. We trust that you want to speak to us through it. So we ask now that you open our eyes to see the truth, open our hearts to receive it. God, show us what things need to change in us, even if they're radical. Show us what things need to change in this church so that we can be more effective for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us today to adopt an attitude of whatever it takes. We will do whatever it takes for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So on their first trip, Paul and Barnabas were blazing some new trails for the gospel. People were coming to faith and they were establishing some churches in new places. 
They were appointing elders and raising up leaders to pastor these local churches. This was the start of gospel work in many of these places. Well, this second trip is aimed at sustaining gospel work. You'll notice in the text it says, let's go back to visit the brothers in every city where we proclaimed the word of the Lord. This is this is not a starting the work trip. This is a sustaining the work. Um, The health of the church is key to the success of the mission. I don't know. uh, Sometimes we think maybe it's it's like these pioneer trailblazers. That's all that matters is those who go into um, these places and start a new work. The uh, people who are starters. And that's great, right? And then they, these guys model for us a, a, a need to go back and encourage and strengthen, not just to start, start the work, but to sustain it. So ongoing discipleship really does matter. Um, in 2021, one of the things I'm praying through is a real emphasis in our church for personal discipleship. Uh, because it matters to strengthen the body of Christ, to to develop leaders within this church. Make sure you know how to study God's word, to make sure you know how to pray, to make sure you know how to walk with Christ on your own. That kind of discipleship matters. It's developing internal health, right? That's going to fuel external gospel mission. You know, if we're going to be the church planting church that we want to be, we need to make sure that what we intend to reproduce is healthy. And that's what's going on right here. Paul is going back and Barnabas are are planning to go back and invest and disciple and train up leaders where they started work originally. They're now going back to sustain the work. You know, in a race, it's never really about how you start, but how you finish. Paul wants the churches he started to finish well. But as they began planning for the second trip, Paul and Barnabas do not agree about who to take along. Barnabas wants to bring John Mark back onto the team. He wants uh, to give him another chance. But Paul does not want to risk being deserted again. Paul wants to know he can count on his team. I mean, last time they were on mission together, they were stoned and left for dead. Remember that? So Paul wants to know uh, that those who are around him, he can really depend on them. He can trust them. This work is a serious work. It requires an all-in kind of commitment. He's not convinced that Mark is up to the task. What we see here is, is a, a, a distinction in leadership, a difference. Barnabas is thinking about how the mission could be exactly what Mark needs. He's thinking about Mark's health. He's like, this trip could really restore him. He'll grow from being with us. Barnabas is saying, what will the work of God do in our brother Mark? Paul, on the other hand, is concerned that Mark will be a liability, that he'll drag down the team, that he will hinder the work of the gospel or worse, that he might bail on them when things get hard again. So Paul is not thinking about how Mark can benefit from the work. Paul is thinking, what will this man do for the work to benefit? This is a difference in leadership. A lot of people want to ask the question, well, who was right? Was Paul right? Was Barnabas right? Who was wrong? You know, 
Um, well, Barnabas has always been an encourager. He's an advocate. Even Paul benefited from Barnabas's advocacy when he was newly converted and the church in Jerusalem was afraid of him. They wouldn't receive him. Barnabas is the one who took him under his wing and brought him to the church and said, you can trust this guy. I've been with him. I've seen him. I've seen him preach the gospel. He's real. He's he's legit. You can trust him. So Paul benefited from Barnabas's character as an encourager, as an advocate. And Paul, on the other hand, is a different kind of leader. He's that bristly coach, you know, who who uh, pushes you hard and he expects you to give your all. He's the one who's going to chew you out when you mess up. He's also the one who loves you deeply. So this good cop, bad cop combination, this duo has been an amazing team as they've gone on the mission field. But now they cannot agree. So this disagreement gets heated. The scripture actually says a sharp disagreement. Well, that's Luke's way of saying they were duking it out. This is a fight. They decide ultimately to go separate ways. Now, as we read through the rest of scripture, we see that they don't depart as enemies. They don't divide as enemies. They just can't be on the same team at this point. I want you to notice before we move into Um, the bulk of our message today. I want you to notice God's sovereignty even in human disputes and division. God takes what what would have been one mission team and he makes two. On this trip, Paul is going to recruit Timothy and that discipleship relationship will prove to be very fruitful for the gospel. So here's another principle for you to see is that God can take our divisions And multiply his mission. It's beautiful truth and we can trust our sovereign Lord with it. But mainly today, what I want us to focus on is whatever it takes. The whatever it takes mentality that drives Paul to mission. He's willing to make drastic changes to be most effective for the gospel. So church, as we we walk through this together today, I want to ask you to ask yourself one question throughout the whole message. And here it is. Maybe you want to write this down. What will it take for me to be more effective or more fruitful for the gospel? What will it take? Maybe what must change for me to be more effective more fruitful for the gospel. I hope around the room we are all affirming the title of this message, which is whatever it takes. So right now, we encourage you just to give God your yes and let him tell you what it is later. All right. Just say, Lord, whatever it is that needs to change, I'll change. Let him fill in the blanks. We must be willing to sacrifice anything For the sake of the gospel mission. I pray the Lord shows you today some very real and very practical changes that need to happen in your own life. The way I want to walk through this today is just asking three questions. Okay, three big questions. If you're looking at your notes, here they are. Why did Paul stand his ground against taking John Mark? Why did Paul stand his ground? I mean, 
Couldn't he have given in? And I mean, why would he stand his ground? What was his reasoning? What's his motivation? I believe the scripture is going to answer that for us in this way. Paul was willing to do whatever it takes, including being wise about his partners. You'll notice the scripture here in chapter 15. It says that Paul thought it best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them. On their first journey, we've already talked about this a little bit, but a little more detail. Mark left them right when things were getting difficult. Acts 13, 13, it just says he left them and returned to Jerusalem. It's very simple there, the way Luke writes it, but not the way Paul felt it. Paul had seen and felt firsthand Mark's unfaithfulness. Not long after Mark bailed on them, they were driven out of one region and stoned in another. To Paul, Mark was a deserter. He withdrew. He did not go with them to the work is what the text says. Mark chose his own comfort over his commitment to Christ and his team. Paul couldn't trust him. And he didn't want their effectiveness in gospel ministry to suffer because they chose to bring Mark along. along. Now listen, this is big for, for many of us. This is where uh, we struggle to draw a line and do whatever it takes. Paul was willing to hurt Mark's feelings. And it may not sound like a big deal, but I know across this room there are people who are unwilling to hurt anybody's feelings to do the right thing. I just know. That's one thing you're unwilling to do. If it's going to hurt somebody, you're not going to do it. But what we see with Paul is that he's willing to do whatever it takes, even if it's hurt Mark's feelings. Or take it a step further. Even if it's to lose his best ministry partner he's ever known. Over this one decision, you say, well, why is this such a big deal? Why is it such a big deal? Paul is evaluating and he's saying, if we bring Mark along, if Mark comes with us, the effectiveness of the gospel will be hindered. I'm not willing to do it. And he digs his heels in. He says, I refuse to bring him. He's not coming with me. Here's the principle. There are times that following Christ means losing some friends. Some of you really need to hear that. Because you're holding on to some people who are limiting your effectiveness with the gospel. There are times that following Christ means walking away from some people. So are you willing to do whatever it takes even if it means parting some ways, parting ways with some people. Why did Paul stand his ground against taking John Mark? Because he was willing to do whatever it takes. Second question. Why did Paul push Timothy to be circumcised? We're going to spend a few minutes here because this is confusing for a lot of people, right? Chapter 15, we just had this huge discussion about circumcision and the result was you don't have to be circumcised. It's not necessary. And then we open chapter 16 and Paul says, Timothy, I want you to go, but you got to be circumcised. So why? What is the point of that? Well, Paul was certainly not contradicting the decision 
of salvation by grace alone from the Jerusalem Council. This is not a contradiction. It's not an issue of salvation. For Paul, this is an issue of not Timothy's salvation, but his effectiveness in service. It's an effort to remove any hindrance for the gospel. If you read the text, you see it's clear. Luke tells us that Timothy's mother was a Jew and his father was a Greek. That means that Timothy legitimately classifies as a Jew. They are going to be going to regions that are filled with Jews and preaching the gospel. Paul knows that if he walks into a setting with a lot of Jews and he brings along uncircumcised Timothy, no one will listen it will be a blockade to the gospel. It's a, it's a hindrance to the gospel. So Paul is pushing for Timothy to do whatever it takes to be the most effective and faithful, fruitful that he could be. I want to ask you a question here. Do you have someone in your life who's pushing you to make some hard changes? Some difficult changes. Is there anybody, any coach in your life like Paul is here in Timothy that's saying, hey, in order for you to be really effective, this has got to go. That's got to change. Are you willing to take that kind of coaching? Do you welcome it? And are you willing to receive it? I do want to show you something Paul models for us here. He, he models firm flexibility. If you're taking notes, would you write that phrase down? Firm flexibility. I want to tell you what I mean by that. Paul is firm on gospel truth. He's firm on gospel truth, but he's flexible everywhere else. We really need to listen in and, and, and clue in, listen to this truth. Paul's willing to change anything except the gospel. The reality is that we as a church and as a people, we must be flexible everywhere with all of our methods. We must be changing and yet we must be firm and unchanging with our message, with the gospel. So we hold tightly to the gospel of Christ while we hold loosely to everything else. If you have your Bible, I want you to look with me. This is interesting. So take your Bible. I want you to see it. Go with me to Galatians chapter two. I want you to see that Paul, um, although here he encourages Timothy, he pushes Timothy to be circumcised so that he would be effective with the gospel. Because it was going to be a problem him preaching to Jews. That's going to be a problem. So be circumcised. Right. But in Galatians two, it's just the opposite with Titus. Paul's just the opposite. He's refusing to allow Titus to be circumcised. It's interesting. Look at Galatians 2 verse 3 with me and read along. Paul says, but even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery... Look at verse five to them. We did not yield in submission, not even for a moment so that why did you do it? So that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. I want you to check this out with Timothy. Paul's like, hey, 
If the, if the gospel is going to go forward to Jews, you really need to be circumcised. That's going to be a problem if you're not. So let's take care of that. On the flip side, with Titus, he's got people, he's a Greek and he's got these Jewish, you know, Judaizers coming in and being like, you're not legitimately in Christ unless you're circumcised. And Paul's like, absolutely not. That's not the truth. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That's not happening to my brother Titus. He's firm on the gospel, but he's flexible everywhere else. Do we see that reality here? There's a firmness about the gospel. Paul says he does this so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved. Now, where else is he flexible? Flexible. I want you to take your Bibles and look in 1 Corinthians 9. I want you to see in 1 Corinthians 9 that Paul was a missional chameleon. He's a missional chameleon. Here's what I mean. He could adapt to his surroundings doing whatever it takes to get the gospel to very different people. It didn't matter where he was. He could walk into this setting and he would try to fit in. He would walk into that setting and he would try to fit in. He could go preach in a Jewish synagogue and he would stand with them and give an oratory about Jewish history and point him to Christ. Or he could go into the slums and hang out with guys who were struggling through life and he would sit down with them and tell them the gospel of Jesus. Paul was a missional chameleon. And here's where he tells us about that side of him, his flexibility. Look at 1 Corinthians 9, verse 22. Here's what he says. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. Now look at verse 23. I do it all for the sake of the gospel. That I may share with them in its blessings. Paul was flexible on everything except the gospel. So here's a big question for you. Are you willing to challenge others? Are you willing to coach others and push others to make personal sacrifices to follow Christ? And does your life demonstrate that same willingness? Are you willing to make whatever changes you have to make? I want to encourage you. Go some places that make you uncomfortable. Be around some people that make you uncomfortable. Try some things. Press into conversations that make you uncomfortable. Why? For the sake of the gospel. Third question. Why was Timothy willing to be circumcised? I don't know if you noticed this. The answer to all three of these questions is because they're willing to do whatever it takes for the gospel. But this right here is really incredible to me. By all accounts, Timothy is a brand new believer. He's only been saved at most since Paul was there last time. So... Not very many years, maybe months. Timothy's about 20 years old at this point, so he's not a little boy. Paul has come to his town, is preaching with such passion and zeal that Timothy is drawn in. Timothy's like, I've never seen somebody so passionate. Never seen somebody like this. 
Paul is captivated by Timothy's interest and he decides to invite him to be his apprentice under one condition. He says, Timothy, I like you, man. I want you to come with me. But you're going to have to have a pretty personal procedure done, right? Now, I can imagine the excuses that many would have, right? I mean... Uh, a 20 year old man, right? And you're saying, hey man, I, I really want you to come, but here's what you have to do. I can imagine a lot of guys having some excuses. But Paul, like you just said that, and, and the Jerusalem council agreed that this is not necessary, right? It's not, not necessary. So, I mean, I'm not even a full-blooded Jew, Paul. Like, I mean, is it really necessary? Hey, listen, nobody even has to know, right? I mean, that's kind of a secret thing. Nobody's got to know. Let's, let's not and say we did. <laughs> right? I mean, here's the thing. If you want one, there will always be an excuse. Anybody can make excuses. Leaders make sacrifices. Paul had been down the road of excuses with John Mark. He always wanted the easy route. He was always wanting the results without the process. So Paul starts this relationship with Timothy on a very serious note. He calls him to serious sacrifice. It's not theoretical. It's not philosophical sacrifice. This is the literal cutting away of a part of yourself. It's painful. It's selfless. It's solely for the benefit of others. It's solely for the benefit of the gospel. On the surface, it doesn't even make sense. But it's an exercise in submission to spiritual authority and love of neighbor. So how does Timothy respond to Paul's invitation? He responds this way. Whatever it takes. And this begins what will be one of the most powerful ministry partners in all the New Testament. Luke gives us just a very quick summary of that statement affirming God's sovereign hand over this journey and how God's blessing this missionary journey. All he says is so the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. Church, this morning, I want to call you to do whatever it takes for Christ. But before that, I want to call before I call you to action, I want to call you And stir your affection for Christ. Have you seen him in this text yet? I want us to see and savor Jesus in the text. Here's Christ. In Barnabas, we see Christ as the advocate for the sinner. No matter how hard you've fallen, you can be forgiven and welcomed into fellowship and back on the team. Christ restores the broken. He stands ready to receive any and all who will repent of sin and turn in faith to him. Even though others reject you, Jesus will rejoice over you. His grace 
is sufficient for you. His grace covers a multitude of sin. We see Christ, the advocate for sinners in Barnabas. In Paul, we see Christ calling for our wholehearted devotion. Jesus says, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross and follow me. Jesus warned that following him would be costly. And he would not allow for competing loves. Some of the hardest words in all the Bible. Jesus says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and his mother, his wife and his children, his brothers and his sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Jesus was not afraid to send away those unwilling to sacrifice for him. Jesus says, Anyone after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is not fit for the kingdom of God. After some of his hardest preaching to the biggest crowd he'd ever had in John chapter six, he gives some really tough words about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. The crowd disperses. They wanted him to feed them, but they didn't want to feast on him. They wanted what he had to offer, but they didn't really want him. When the crowd all leaves, Jesus turns to his most faithful followers and he says to them, do you want to leave me too? In Paul, we see that Jesus is a bristly coach, pushing, pushing, pushing us to wholehearted commitment. Jesus is not looking for half in partners. He wants it all. And he is right in that command, for he gave it all. In Timothy, we see Christ as the one who sacrificed himself for our benefit. He willingly laid down his own freedom to offer true freedom to anyone who would believe. He endured pain in the flesh, even to the point of death on the cross, so that we could be alive in the spirit. When the time came to suffer, Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Essentially, Jesus did whatever it takes to save sinners like me and you. So this morning to the unbeliever. Know this. Jesus Christ welcomes any sinner who will repent. There is none who have gone too far. You cannot outsin the grace of God. So turn to him. He is so good. And to the Christian. What needs to change? For you to be more effective, more fruitful for Jesus. What needs to be cut away from your life today? For you to say to Jesus, I'll do whatever it takes to serve you faithfully. I pray we will say that to our Lord today and walk out of here differently than we came in.